Uh, hey, Matt, I was doing some Wikipedia uh, sleuthing the other day. Um, I, I've, okay. I, I, That's I, I one way to, to put it. Yeah. So I got to one of those pages where it's like um like a category page, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like category of like video games like developed in Norway. Okay. And so right. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And so I started putting like different countries in that in like the the URL to see if there was like some weird stuff going on. Like for instance, video games developed in Greenland, that one doesn't exist. Um, right. But uh, I did type in video games developed in Switzerland to see if there was anything notable. Um, and the the first uh, Wikipedia page for that category is um, for a game called Catch the Sperm. <laughs> um. That's not like a wait. That sounds familiar. Is that like a Newgrounds game or something like that? Uh, n- no. Um, Catch the Sperm is a Swiss computer game recognized as an entertaining way for health professionals to promote prevention of HIV. Okay, seems okay. like a pretty noble cause. No. Uh, so I feel like I have played this game. Uh, well, it's. It, I. I mean, I don't get the impression it's a Newgrounds thing because it was developed by. Sorry, it was published by the Federal Office of Public Health, the Swiss oh. <laughs> Federal Federal Office of Public Health. So uh-huh. I don't think I don't think it was a Newgrounds game. No, there was definitely uh, a similar game that I remember playing where you like you control like a contraceptive pill. Oh, and you're like in Lord. front of the uterus trying to uh, catch the sperm. <laughs> I don't want to know any more about that, but I am going to tell you about <laughs> catch the sperm. Yeah, uh, catch my sperm. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Catch the Sperm is available in seven versions. Uh, Catch the Sperm Style 1, which came out in 2001. Catch the Sperm uh, Style 2, which came out in 2002. And then throughout 2003, we got uh, five different versions. Dual, (laughs) Carnival, Summer, Christmas, and Swiss Soccer. Dual? Yeah, there is no description for... uh, for duel uh, however there is um i, I really I can, do can leave it up to the imagination probably. Uh, I, I i do love this um the summer edition of catch the sperm is set in a sunny caribbean ocean of light blue water flowering under underwater plants and bright sunshine uh the characters are a submarine an orca a swimmer a water and a diver sperm <laughs> This is not like the, the this is not like the promotional uh, material for the game. This is like the Wikipedia article, like the description of the game in Wikipedia. The okay. Christmas edition of Catch the Sperm is a winter landscape over which the sperm characters fly rather than swim. As they travel through the frosty night, they pass illuminated and decorated Christmas trees, lit candles, bows, and icicles. The characters are a chocolate sperm that re- resembles milk chocolate. <laughs> A bearded uh-huh. Santa Claus sperm wearing a red stocking hat with a white pom-pom and a red flannel bodysuit. You know, they could have just wrote, dressed like Santa. <laughs> dressed like Santa. Uh, <laughs> no, they describe it. And a cold sperm wearing a blue and green stocking cap and matching earmuffs. A white snowy sperm wearing a black top hat and a wrapped sperm that is decorated with a red, bright red bow. Um, <laughs> For you kids out there who... Who are not currently at the age of sexual stop, maturity? Stop! Stop listening this, now! Stop! <laughs> this is this, exactly what what sex is really like. <clears throat> this this podcast is rated E for explicit. 
uh, yeah. specifically on Apple Podcasts for a yeah. reason. We're this... going to have to change the name of the podcast to Super S-E-X. Show is not for children. Uh, I, I do want to finish off this article here. Um, the, yeah, there's yeah. A, a section yeah, called finish Winning. it off, Tyler. There's a section called Winning. Um, uh-huh. Upon successfully completing a game, players are rewarded with a special congratulations screen before embarking on the next level of play. They can also visit an internet website, as opposed to the other kind of website, uh, where players can post their <laughs> scores if they are among the highest of all other players. The world's top three players of the week receive a Catch the Sperm mouse pad, inside of which mock sperm swim in a liquid. What? Yeah, so somewhere out there. And it, it, the, this Wikipedia uh, article reads like... <laughs> yeah, uh, this Wikipedia article reads as if uh, the, this is currently still ongoing, and I couldn't find any evidence of that. That last line about the mouse pad, there's no reference uh, point in on Wikipedia. Uh, however, yeah. w- what I'm reading here is that there are multiple catch the sperm mouse pads uh, out there uh, with mock sperm inside a liquid in them, uh, and this was sponsored by the. The Swiss Department the of Swiss Health. The Swiss government, yeah. <laughs> Somebody at the, in the Switzerland government, uh, I, I get the vibe that they were on, on, on new grounds and uh, they, they wanted to... Uh, uh, Catch the sperm. <laughs> <laughs> they, they wanted to figure out how to get their hobby uh, and their work to combine, I, uh, I understand. Uh-huh. Uh, if you get a chance, watch some of these. Uh, there's some clips online of the game. Um, they are uh, not enjoyable. So uh, <laughs> have, have fun with that one. Let's do the podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Super FX, the show where we talk about video games. I'm Kermit the Frog. Uh, and I'm Tyler. Uh, and this is episode number 19. Uh, Matt couldn't be here today because he was too... <laughs> Sorry, I just... He, he was in my chair, and I don't like it when anyone's in my chair. Sorry, Kermit. Uh, we'll get that looked at. Jackie, call the ambulance for Kermit. Dear Lord, is he Is he Okay. Um, he's, he's a little, he's unresponsive, definitely, but that's my fault. You know, I stabbed him and everything, but he, my Lord. Yeah. Well, it's not, Kermit's not real, right? Well, I mean, is it animated? No. So I think therefore. Yeah. He's, Um, he's real, right? That's how that works. I think. Um, welcome to another episode of Super FX, the show where I commit a felony. Uh, I'm Matt. Uh, is that puppicide? Puppets? Puppicide? <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? Muppicide. Muppicide. It's a stronger sentence than regular murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt, it's been it's been a while um, since it has. Since we, it's uh, we, it has we been last three weeks. did one of these. We we, we yeah. took a we took a little sabbatical. We did. Uh, I went to Magfest, and you did not go to Magfest. Yeah. Um, the. I, I would have loved to go, as I'm sure everybody is aware. Oh, I know. I'm um, not upset with you. I just, the circumstances were just not 
yeah. weren't optimal at all. I mean, the, the likelihood of catching COVID uh, seems to be pretty darn high regardless of where I am in the world, be it, a, you know, a shopping mall or a festival floor. Um, however, the, uh, uh, the consequences of catching COVID in terms of travel restriction would have left me in a very sticky situation if that were to have happened. Uh, yeah. So the the risk of that happening was not uh, uh, not worth worth it, you know, to make that make that trip. Sadly, so yeah, uh, you know, here's hoping next year. Uh, you know, I, I I like to say hopefully things have settled down by now, but we all know that the <laughs> you know it's a crapshoot yeah. at this point. So we'll see. Uh, but hopefully by this time next year, the virus will have attenuated to the point where, um, if it is k- still killing people, it is such a small percentage that it's lower than the normal flu and we can start treating it like a normal virus and we can start worrying about um you know people getting vaccinated and taking the antiviral pill if they want to and as much as i would have liked for people to have gotten vaccinated whether they wanted to or not for the good of everybody if the virus starts to attenuate to a point where it's less potent than your normal flu it won't matter anymore because it won't be killing anybody. So no one's going to care. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, know the... if, if, is that going to happen in a year? Who knows? But I, I yeah. hope so because we've yeah. seen what could happen in the last two years. What could happen in just one more? Yeah. Who knows? It's, I mean, it's, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Yeah, I, and I, and I feel I, like yeah. a lot of folks are just like over the whole, uh, the discourse about it at this point, you know, um, that's the like, thing you know it's, it's all we humans hear it's get all we bored. talk about <laughs> humans get bored man it's all we're talking about it's the only thing in the news it's uh it's st- still staple to the sides of buildings about masks and vaccines and stuff like that and i'm just as tired of talking about it as everyone else is despite the fact that i'm a proponent of putting your mask on and getting a vaccine and everything i don't want to talk about it either i'm tired of it <laughs> so why don't we talk about video games yeah i'd like that <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, for this, uh, I mean, past few weeks, uh, you know, we do, we typically start out with what you've been playing. I'm going to go first, if that's cool with you. Yeah, um, please. I, I have, uh, honestly been playing the same game that I've been playing for the past while. Um, uh-huh. and that's Dicey Dungeons. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm still playing it and I'm like still actively playing it. Um, Matthew, I think I have like close <laughs> to 50 hours in this game. Wow. Um, that I, could have been I, Legend of Dragoon this whole time. Matthew, I know. Tell me about <laughs> it. I am still feeling the crushing guilt of that. Um, oh, don't feel guilty. You're enjoying a game. So here, here's the thing. It, I, I'm very surprised at myself for, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I'm very I surprised at myself as for playing as much of this game as, as I am. Um, but I do think that uh, this is a very, very well-designed game. Um, and there's a, a variety of reasons. I was talking to some friends about this a couple nights ago. Uh, essentially, um, if if you've ever played any of um, Terry Kavanaugh's other games, he does a very good job um, of kind of boiling games down to their like their most minuscule piece. Yeah. Um, so, for instance, Super Hexagon. It's like you're a dot, and you're dodging lines essentially Mm -hmm. like that's it's all it is 
Um, but there's he he manages to make it like so addictive and like so um, e- like so easily replayable. Um, and uh, I think VVVVVV was like that as well. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a platformer, but like just kind of brought to like it's the bare minimum of what platformers can be. And so he yeah. focuses so well mm-hmm. on like this core, 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 core mechanic and just translating that into some like, you know, engaging, addictive gameplay. Um, yeah. So Dice, Dicey Dungeons was definitely like the uh, most kind of like, I, I guess, in-depth and stylistic of, of his games, but uh, it's still the roguelike in the purest form. And what I mean by that is uh, in a roguelike, you'll typically get some degree of RNG, some degree of randomness and chance uh, throughout your your run. Right. Um, he basically strips away whatever's hiding that. So, for instance, in a typical roguelike, you will have um, maybe monsters that have uh, a, a, deg- a very varying degree of uh, challenge, um, or maybe you'll find certain uh, you'll get certain experience uh, points in certain ways, or your hit points will vary in certain ways depending on certain things. Um, in dicey dungeons, you are very very all of those stats are very visible to you uh, so you're right. always aware of them because it's dice right so you'll roll the dice and you have one to six right um and i i i, I struggled with it at first but i've really kind of narrowed it down to why i enjoy this game so much uh i used to be when i was kind of first learning about game design you know several years ago um i i used to be really averse to playing games that relied on rng and i was always really frustrated by rng and so i would always like boil it down to like something like chess where it's like chess there's no rng involved at all right there's no chance it's yeah, all skill 100 percent skill. skill yeah so what if you lose uh, a chess match that is 100% entirely on you, right? Yeah, it's, it's somebody's you, fault. Yeah, exactly. If you if you lose it, a, a, a game of um, you know, like let's say go fish as a cheap example, um, yeah. there is some degree of chance there where there's a lot you know, of degree of you, chance there. Yeah. You had shit card draw, and so therefore yeah. you lost. And even if you were the best player, player, you know, take took the best strategy possible, uh, there's still chance you can lose, and that's feels cheap right like that feels shitty for when that happens um dicey dungeons does a very interesting thing i thought where i never ever ever once feel like i lost because i had shit rolls and Mm -hmm. even though the game is the core game mechanic it relies on dice roll is rng yeah the whole game is rng and that's so visible to you that it's the game design is so masterful that i never feel cheated ever i've never once and i've had so many like hundreds and hundreds of runs now to this point um and many that i've lost and it never feels like it's my fault yeah and i'm at the stage of the game now where i'm in i'm in the real thick of like the hardest stages um i'm very close to finishing it um but i'm in i'm in a character called the witch right now um Mm. and the witch has a very specific play style and it's kind of boiled down to the point where you pretty much have to be perfect and if you don't play your dice and your cards very literally, if you don't play them absolutely perfectly, uh, you're probably going to lose. Like if there's even one mess up, right? Like you're probably going to lose. Um, and so be- because of that, it never feels cheap. Like it always feels like, yeah, like the dice are random. But if I've set up my move set and I've set up my weapons correctly, um, I should be able to handle any dice roll that is given to me. 
So if, regardless if my dice are a one through six, right, I should be able to handle those dice rolls and be able to kind of um, uh, balance each turn out to be productive, regardless yeah. of what rolls I am given. Right, and so because of that, like it, it, even if you lose, I it feel it, like it feels like it's my fault. Like I feel like yeah. I, I lost because I messed up, and I love that. Right, I've never ever played a game <laughs> that like was so static about its RNG, like so transparent, I should say, about its RNG. Mm. Um, but also, like it still it never feels like I was cheated by the dice. Right. Yeah. Um. So I that I I I think that's why I'm so hooked on it. Um. And I've, I'm I'm at a, like a, a level right now where I just like have had the hardest time beating it. Um, yeah, it, I've probably done like 15 runs with just losses every time. Uh, I've yet to beat it, um, but it, <laughs> but you're still I, having I, a good I, time. Oh, I'm still having so much fun, and I know that it's my fault every time, right? Like I know, like. And I, I, because of that, I'm getting better, right? Like, I know that I, I'm looking back at the run, and I'm like, shit, like, I know I could have done this differently, or I could have played this a different way, and, and that mm. would have saved me from this scenario. Um, and so because of that, like, it always feels like my fault, and I, I feel like I'm getting better, like, I'm getting closer each time, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like, still, I'm still completely engaged by it. Um, it reminds, it and, reminds and, me a lot of... Um, oh, sorry, continue, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I, I, I think... Uh, I think that I'm getting to a point where I'm, like, kind of done with it. Like, I'm not frustrated, I guess, to, to, to the full extent. Um, but it's kind of to the point where it's, like, I 100% know the game mechanic now. And I 100% mm-hmm. know what the optimum strategy is for this character. Um, so once I finish the game, I don't know if I would enjoy going back and replaying it. And I think there are some roguelikes where... That, that wouldn't be the case where like I would be able to beat the game, you know, hundred percent, whatever, and then come back in six months and still enjoy it. But I don't know if the challenge would be here for me um, at the state, you know, the depth to the, the extent that I've played it uh, right. just because I've kind of mastered it to an extent. Um, but yeah, that's yet to be seen, but I, I am ready to kind of wrap it up and, and move on to the next thing. I just got to get through these shit levels <laughs> i feel you it honestly it reminds me a lot of uh, in the last episode we touched a little bit on board games mm-hmm. and um one of my favorite board games is settlers of Catan. have you played it mm-hmm. yeah of course um i think that that has all of the makings of a great video game like adaptation uh i wish that they would do that but if you're you're familiar with the game so like the only real randomness that comes to the main game aside from you know setting up the game but that doesn't ever really play into the gameplay, the only real random factor is when you roll the dice to decide who gets resources for the turn. But that's it. Everything else is done completely based on skill, where you have to know how to bargain, you have to know how to barter with people, you have to know what is necessary to build first and what steps to do it in. It's all decision-based, and there isn't any randomness involved, except, oh, hey, these are the resources that are coming out this turn. But because every player has the option to trade, even if they don't get the resources they want on their turn, they still can by using their skill to get those resources from the other players. And that's the kind of game design where I think RNG plays an important role in the game, but it's still so minuscule that if you lose a game of Catan, it's not the role of the die that determined that. It's because you suck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think I think if you're relying on dice rolls for a game, I think you have to consider that there have to there has to be other things that a player can do uh, in a turn um, to 
to kind of progress, right, or to be productive. Yeah. Um, if if it's if if your game is designed in a way where you know two out of six die rolls are going to cause the player just to not be able to do something, right? Yeah. Um, then then that's you know you probably got to fix that. <laughs> but the yeah, uh, yeah D- dicey dungeons like that can happen. But if that happens, it's because you've messed up and you have not set yourself up for success, right? Um, yeah. Man, I gotta <laughs> play good. that game. I it's have good. to. It, it's uh, yeah. I I I would I would say like go into it not like don't don't expect to one hundred percent it. But uh, after I put like a couple hours into it, I was like, okay, I gotta get through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely gonna want to get through the whole thing because that's the kind of gamer I am. But my yeah. first playthrough, I'll it'll just be a casual run through. Yeah, so for sure. Do. It's it's definitely like a really good like thought experiment into game design because yeah. it's so it's so like um uh it, it doesn't try to hide it you know like it's it's very yeah. a lot of people kind of describe it as like baby's first entrance into roguelikes uh, <laughs> and i could see that because it's just like so blatant with like how what's what's happening right yeah um it's not hidden behind like monsters or spells or anything like that so you can exactly see like where all the RNG is going. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's it's very much like if you have any interest in uh, in game design and um, like choice uh, and like risk taking and that kind of thing in video games, um, definitely give it a go. It's like I paid like two bucks or something on the eShop on Switch. Um, <laughs> it's it's been on PC for like a long time, so I'm sure you can find like a Steam sale for like dirt cheap. It's yeah, it's definitely this worth is the third time that you're talking about pay it. For it. Dude, I know, and I didn't expect the podcasts. I saw it on sale in the eShop, and it was just like a, a couple dollars. And I had heard of it, and I had never played yeah. it. I didn't know too much about it, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll pick it up. It's a couple dollars." Uh, and then I, I, some for some reason, I actually booted it up. I kind of didn't expect that to happen, but I did. And then yeah, I got hooked. So yeah, I was I was gonna say because you because you have talked about it now three times, I feel like I have to I have to try it. Yeah, you know, it's good. Dude. Um, it's good. Yeah, you're, like other than the like me talking about Pokemon for eons, I don't think you've ever mentioned the same no. game, I, even really I twice not. in the same uh, <laughs> like I in the not. same uh, like time period. But um, uh, it also so, uh, one last thing. It, it also uh, yeah, you please. can use it with the Joy Cons like with control like buttons, but it's also completely mm. touchscreen enabled as well. So you can play completely oh, touchscreen cool. if you want. Um, which I've actually been doing sometimes. Uh, sometimes if I'm like, I don't know, like eating a, the sandwich or something, and I have like one free yeah, hand, yeah. I can like play the game entirely one handed, uh, which is amazing. Uh, I, I freaking love it. You remember in like some of the Pokemon games where you can like change uh, L to be an A press? Oh, yeah, yeah. So absolutely. You can like move around so you can with play one hand and also hit A. Yeah. But there's like some things you can't do. This you can play entirely one handed. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome for that. Anyway, That's so I want to cool. hear about what you are playing. Yeah, so right now the main thing I'm playing, uh, because I started it before MAGFest, because um, I wanted to, you know, whenever I go to a con, I just kind of, I play a Picross game, just because I don't want to get into anything super uh, important. So I'm playing Picross S2 right now, which I don't want to talk about because it's just Picross, but the main yeah. thing um, that I put on the uh, on the Google Doc in our show notes my friend Nathaniel and I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, we go back and forth showing each other um, adventure games, typically point-and-click adventures, because we both grew up with point-and-clicks, and that's where we have the most overlap in games that we've played and types of games we've played. Mm-hmm. And so we'll hop on Discord, 
usually one night a week, sometimes once every two weeks. It depends on our schedules. And one of us will play through the game. The other one has already played it. And they will just watch as the person playing gets through the game. And if we need to, like we offer hints here and there. But for the most part, we just kind of go through it together. One person showing a game to another. Mm-hmm. And this That's time cool. around, yeah, it, it is. Honestly, it's one of the most fun things about our friendship. Uh, this time around, Nathaniel wanted me to play through the LucasArts uh, adventure game, The Dig, which I had already known oh, about, yeah. but I had never played it before. Um, yeah, yeah. In, in saying the name of this game, a lot of people listening to this podcast who are familiar with LucasArts adventure games will probably still not be familiar with that with that game. Because mm-hmm. it is one of their lesser-known titles. It is not very funny. It's more of a drama. Um, it is kind of a survival-type point-and-click, where it's not like survival as in you have to manage resources or anything like that, but the story is um, you're stranded on an alien planet and you have to escape. Yeah. And so uh, this, there's this nothing game, uh, super I has, funny I will say it. real quick, uh, this game, yeah. I haven't played it. Uh, I have always wanted to, but whenever, when I was a kid, I would always look at, like, the artwork from this game um, and just be, like, mm-hmm. in awe because it, it's yes. so, like, atmospheric. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, all of the artwork for this game, there are there are some cutscenes in the game that are done uh, in a hand-drawn cartoony style, and to be honest, they kind of take away from the experience. I really just prefer the pixel art. Because it is beautiful. The water is beautiful. The sky scenes are beautiful. All of the characters' animations are done really well. Um, but it, it's such a shame that many people don't know about this. Because LucasArts is most well-known for their like scum engine games, like Maniac mm-hmm. Mansion or Monkey Island, which are very humor-first, plot-second. And The Dig has humor, but it's plot-first, humor-second. And it's not yeah. really over the top in its humor. It's very subtle. There's mostly just puns here and there and the occasional characters jabbing at each other. Um, but it's mostly straight up plot. Um, there is a lot about this game that I wish that people knew about because it is a very, very well-designed adventure game. I think it's even more well-designed than some of the Monkey Island games. That's not to say that it's better to play than them. They're more fun because of their charm and their wit. But The Dig is a better designed puzzle game, I think. That's interesting. Um, I, I, if yeah. I remember correctly, this one uh, was um, very much like focused on like writing, right? Like the narrative was like yeah. uh, a big point. Like, I, I want to say like Steven Spielberg yes. was involved. Yeah. Yes, it was Steven Spielberg's idea. He was originally going to make it, um, I think... Um, if I remember correctly, he had a project, I think it was a show, called Amazing Stories. Yes. And he was yeah, going yeah. to make the plot of The Dig one of the segments of his Amazing Stories show. And it never worked out. And so he approached uh, LucasArts and said, well, you know what? I have this idea. What if you guys made it into a game? I feel like it would work as a video game. Mm-hmm. And so they did. Um, say what you want about his politics. I have my own opinions about the man. But Orson Scott Card is the person who wrote all of the dialogue for The Dig. And it really shows. If you've ever read, like, Ender's Game or any of his other works, um, it really shows. The dialogue is very well written. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Orson Scott Card personally, but I have to admit that he he writes a damn good story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
the Diggs story and all of the dialogue and all of the character interaction is top-notch. You really do get to appreciate and come to like slash dislike all of the characters for the reasons the game wants you to. Wow. Um, but, yeah, it's incredibly fun. A lot of the puzzles are... Uh, they can be a little bit difficult to figure out, but I wouldn't really call them convoluted. Some of them are just, they require a lot more extra brain power. Uh, you would think to yourself, like, well, this doesn't really make sense to do it this way. But then when you do and you see the result of what happens because you tried to do it that way, now all of a sudden, oh, wait, no, that does make sense. Why didn't I think to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and there are also a lot of puzzles where the obvious answer is the correct answer, Occam's Razor. And I appreciate that, too, because it even lets people who maybe don't have the the highest amount of um, like critical thinking with puzzle games, it still lets them access parts of the game. Is it, do, you, do you find that it, um, it like, lives up? Uh, like, like, sorry, that it, that it holds up? Because, uh, like, you know, it's, like, 30 years old at this point. Yeah, it came out in 95. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely think, like I said, it's a very well-designed game. And I really like almost everything about it. If I had to give it a rating, I would call it eight out of ten. I really do think it holds up. I just yeah. The, re- the reason I ask it's going to fly I, under the radar. Yeah, the reason I ask is I I tried playing. So I played Monkey Island when I was a kid, and I tried playing it again like semi recently, maybe about four or five years ago. Um, yeah. And uh, I had a heck of a time, uh, kind of just like with the controls and just everything felt like a little convoluted, like it just felt dated. Um, and mm-hmm. you, you know, like movement and that, and that kind of thing. It's just like, sometimes it didn't like kind of work the way I expected it to, or that like the verb system and everything. Yeah. So I, I wonder, you know, like, did you feel any frustration with that or are you, you're, are you playing it on like a, on like DOS box or something? Uh, so I, I played it through DOS box, but it's actually also available on good old games. If anybody's interested yeah, in getting yeah, it, yeah. um, I think it's actually a free download, believe it or not. If you have a good oh, really? old games, if you have a good old games account, it's one of the free downloads that they uh, offer. Um, but I, I played my copy through DOSBox, um, mm-hmm. and this was um, one of the earliest LucasArts titles to abandon the verb system, which I really like the verb system in old scum LucasArts games, um, where you click on the verb and then you click on the thing and you do that verb with that thing, because it makes the game very uh, open. Like, oh yeah, I, I can open the door, but I can also... like knock on the door or i can right. close the door there's different different actions you can take with different objects but in um the dig it is one click one action whenever you click on an object uh the main character boston low he does the most sensible action that would relate to that object so you click a door the door opens you click an object object goes in your inventory yeah. You click a stationary item, you examine the item. You click a character, you talk to the character. So it's just one click, one action. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. That's would, It's very would, streamlined, yeah. um, but it makes the game a little less open. It makes it a little more linear. And some people mm-hmm. might not like that. I think it works fine, because for the most part, the reason you would want to play a game like The Dig is for the plot. Honestly, it's a very good plot. And the whole reason behind the game being made was because Steven Spielberg wanted to tell a story. So, of course, you're going to play it for the plot. So who really cares if it's that linear? You still so, have to solve puzzles. 
you would you would say that the gameplay really does lend itself to the narrative. Um, like it, it felt it felt like they designed the gameplay to really kind of highlight the narrative ra- rather than maybe Monkey Island would the gameplay is maybe a little bit more playful. Um, in, yeah, in absolutely. Kind of aligning with the narrative, right? Absolutely. I think that um, overall, the dialogue and the characters take center stage in the dig, mm-hmm. and the gameplay is just the means to propel you through the story. Oh, dude, it looks awesome. I looking at pictures of it again it just makes me like. It really, I, it really is fun. Uh, it's only about a little less than an eight-hour playthrough. Um, it only took us about seven hours and forty-something minutes, according to uh, the timer that I had. Yeah. So, not terrible. Um, and honestly, I feel like that kind of game is uh, while it is fun to play a point and click by yourself, it's also the kind of story that you would want to share with friends. I'm glad that I played it with Nathaniel. He had played it already, but we got to discuss it during the game. Because it's yeah. the kind of story that um, it kind of opens a lot of philosophical questions. And maybe people don't play video games for that reason, but the dig opens all of these weird and thought-provoking questions that it's it does that on purpose. It makes you want to think about what it means to be alive and what it means to be part of a species or what it means to explore or be an archaeologist. There are aspects of power struggle and um, the relationship between command and minion. There's, um, there's honestly, there's so much like commentary on human life as we know it, all because the characters are on an alien planet and everything there is foreign to them and all they have ever known is Earth. And so they have to put all these pieces together. It really opens all these questions. It's very cool. And I think it's That's very awesome. worth... It's definitely worth playing... <clears throat> excuse me. It's worth playing with someone else because you get to have these discussions while you play the game. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what the game was made for. It's supposed to tell a story. It's supposed to open discussion and stuff like that, you know? That's awesome. Oh, uh, as, far as, it, as far as it's con- as far as the gameplay is concerned... And as a game, fantastic. A really well designed. 8 out of 10. Damn. Ugh. Every time we do this, like, I'm like... <laughs> you want to play what Here's another one for the list. play what you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> yep, brutal. pretty much. Uh, but, uh, hey, you know, I, I would totally... Now that I've played it, I would totally sit with you and watch you play through it. Yeah. Oh, that might be a good time, actually. Yeah. Um, the other... Before we get to the news, uh, I was going to say, the, the one other thing I've been playing is... Um, Lauren and I have been still working through It Takes Two. Um, oh, yeah. I think you mentioned that last time, too. Yeah. We're, we're still working through it. It's it's We're playing you know an hour or two here and there. Um, it's so good, dude. It gets better. From the last time I talked about it, I won't spend too much time on it, but it, the last last time I talked about it, I thought it was great. Uh, it's even better. Um, yeah. it, it, Everybody I, else thought it was great, too, at one game of the year. <laughs> I know. Dude, it's merited. It, it is really, uh, it's really good. You should definitely play that with Jackie. It's so good. Yeah. Hey, Jay. You want to play It Takes Two? Sure. All right, we're in. All right, there you go. <laughs> uh, shall we Shall we go to the news? Yeah, let's. Uh, all right, gamer news with a Z in Canada. It has to have a Z in Canada or it legally doesn't count. Um, but if you're in the U.S., it's a Z where it legally doesn't count. Yeah, that's disgusting. Uh, it, we, we got some news um, this this week. Yeah. Do, do, we, uh, I, do, we, do we got a Tommy? Do we got Tommy updates? Uh, so far... We still don't have anything real from our boy Tammy Tallarico, um, as far as I know. 
Okay. Uh, usually my friend Chris is the one who updates me about that because he he was psyched about the Amico, and then when all this bullshit with Tommy started happening, he quickly turned into an Amico detractor. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that just means mm, all the hot goss comes straight from him. All right, and well. he hasn't said anything new and anything that I've looked up, just to be sure. Tommy has still not come out and corrected his statement that we're going to get the Amico by Christmas of this past year. So, All right, so Tommy's working on a time machine. Yeah, uh, I guess to, so. So, he has, so, so he'll, he'll be able to keep his promise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I trust him 100%. <laughs> brilliant. Well, I look forward to uh, you know next, next time's episode of What the Hell's Going On With Tommy. Yeah, uh, I, I look forward to the Amico appearing in my hands because there was a rift in time before christmas uh, <laughs> of last year <laughs> Dear Lord. um we're gonna have to do a backwards episode of this uh <laughs> sony had a, a press release uh this week um that they're doing a new psvr psvr 2 yeah um, psvr 2 they and that's what it's called it's called psvr yeah 2. it's called psvr 2 uh, very interesting did you ever try the first psvr Yes, I've never owned the PSVR, but I had a lot of friends who did, and I'd go to their place and uh, try it out. So I've played uh, a little bit of Resident Evil 7 in VR and Tetris Effect. Have you uh, tried many of the other headsets, Oculus or the uh, the Vive? Uh, the, the only other one that I've had the uh, privilege of being able to try was the Oculus Rift, because Joe, my friend Joe, has one, and I played, mm-hmm. um, I think it's Robot Recall. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. I'm <laughs> no, sure I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're basically just trying. You're a dude with two guns and you're trying to destroy all of the malfunctioning robots in a post-apocalyptic future. Right. Um, but it's very fun. I had a good time with it. Uh, w- I, do you have any excitement at all about PSVR 2? Me as a gamer, yes, I do, because, you know, we're, we're catapulting even further into the future and we're going to see what PSVR 2 is capable of. But as um, a consumer, I'm not, only because I never really got to fully enjoy what it means to own PSVR 1. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I do have a PSVR, um, and I, I bought it on like a, like a Boxing Day sale, like maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't pay very much on it. It was quite cheap. And uh, I have used it um, a little bit. <laughs> um, the best game... Uh, there, there, Okay, so there are three good games on that thing that I've played. Uh, <laughs> maybe four. One is uh, Super Hot VR. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. If you get a chance to play Super Hot VR, do it. It's, it's super cool. It feels great. Um, yeah. One is... Uh, What's the one with the the lightsabers? The uh, like the oh beat saber, beat saber. Yeah, that is yeah. great. Again, feels great. Um, and I have played that without VR, but I imagine it's way cooler with. Oh yeah, it's sick, dude. It's so sweet. Uh, the other one is uh, Astrobot, like the VR demo kind of pack in title. Um, yeah. Before they did uh, uh, the playroom one, uh, mm-hmm. they they had the VR one. That yeah. game is super cool. That really kind of is the game that made me excited about VR. I wasn't really excited about VR before that. And then that I played that and it's kind of like, wow, you can do things like there, there are certain things that they do in that game that you wouldn't have expected to do in VR. Um, because yeah. I think a lot of people like, I think that the title of VR, like the word VR, I think is really fucking like 
it skews people's perception of what it is and what it can be because you kind of yeah it, it kind of suggests that you're like you are a person in a different world right like you are in a different reality um yes whereas astrobatch kind of just uses it as a different like um i don't know how to describe it like a different display like a different like viewing point essentially oh yeah um uh, which is like super cool and it, it feels like more like you're kind of like playing with toys um rather than you're like a, a, a human in the post-apocalyptic you know um, yeah. So that's super cool. Um, I've also played Tetris Effect on it. I like Tetris Effect in it, um, but I, it doesn't really add much. I would say personally for me, um, rather than just like playing it on a TV, it just it, at that point is a screen that's close to your eyes. I found, um, yeah, you know, it doesn't really add too much. So Astrobot really kind of made me excited about it. Um, PS4 two, like, the specs are way better. Um, the one thing about this press release that really kind of threw me for a loop, it says, uh, there's a line that says, Today we are also pleased to reveal that one of the biggest exclusive franchises on PlayStation will be coming to PSVR 2, Horizon Call of the Mountain. Um, this original game is being built specifically for PSVR 2 and will open the doors for players to go deeper into the world of Horizon. Um, this is confusing to me because I don't even know about confusing. <laughs> it's just disappointing to me because what this tells me is that Sony went to like their biggest like internal dev and was like, hey, you guys are doing the New Horizon. It looks great. It, you know, it's going to be great. Uh, we also want you to do this VR thing. And so now right. instead of there being, I mean, I haven't played, like, I don't know what this game is going to be. But instead of the game development studio, you know, creatively coming up with an idea uh, of, of a new game and maybe an innovative way to uh, to use utilize VR, I feel like this forces this, this studio into, you know, this very much reads to me like, hey, we want our big title to also be on VR, right? Because we need to sell these VR things. And so now this developer is in this weird position where they have to navigate that and they have to figure out, okay, how can we put the World of Horizon and put Aloy into this VR thing? And Mm -hmm. uh, I I feel like it's going to be half-assed. It reminds me a lot of uh, Link's crossbow training where it's like, you know, we, we have to have Link, you have to have the big triple a character in your new accessory right and yeah. so and then and then you get a half-assed whatever game out of it um and nobody cares right and so i i kind of just wish that they would put more focus into like hey maybe we have like this indie dev and they're doing like something really cool and never before seen with our vr headset and it's going to handle in a different way that like you've never experienced before and like we're going to showcase this tech right but i don't know instead i just hate how they like i don't know Put, I feel like that's for a loop and that's kind of that's kind of like the norm it. today is that oh it definitely people is are more yeah. focused on developers especially are more focused on getting the hardware out there and then like oh we'll just we'll fuck the software right yeah but, like we'll, but, we'll figure that no. out we, we've got people yeah <laughs> yeah that's exactly the same thing that happened um when the wii u came out it's happening now with the ps5 and xbox series x and s um, where the hardware is out, everyone's really fucking hyped for it, but what software really is there, you yeah. know? And it's kind of the same thing that's going to be happening with the PSVR 2, where we're going to have all of these lackluster titles and lackluster capabilities until something finally comes along and makes it worthwhile for people to get. Of course, there are still going to be people like me and you um, who we bought a PS5 when it first came out, and we're still suffering. Um, yeah. Who will probably get PSVR 2 because of the novelty, because we're collectors, and we'll deal with it. But for the normal consumer, <laughs> what 
what is driving them to buy PSVR 2 if this is the kind of marketing tactic that is always present nowadays when a new piece of hardware comes out where yeah. software is second even though the entire point of the hardware is to use the software yeah i think the only thing that is maybe interesting about this is that uh, i think vr is about to enter like a very strange um kind of period of of growth uh yeah because uh facebook is um Coming oh yeah, their, that whole their, metaverse their, their thing. metaverse stuff, right? And so th- I think that's Ooh. gonna. I mean, who knows? But I I think that's gonna launch <laughs> VR into a little bit more of a mainstream light. And so yeah. to see how Sony and you know others kind of take that new kind of prevalence of VR in a, in the world and and kind of like and use that as a marketing strategy or use that to kind of you know grow the technology. I think that'll be interesting. But as it stands right now, like. They're like, oh, hey, the new VR is out is better, you know, like (laughs) make me excited about it, you know. Yeah, it just it remains to be seen. I'm only excited because I know that there will be differences and there will be something to look forward to. But right now it's just, hey, more VR. And, (laughs) you know, that's all it's going to feel like for quite some time. Um, What I am excited about for, for excited for more of is is Kirby. Um, and we got yeah, a, yeah. a new Kirby trailer. <laughs> yes. Uh, Game comes and... out in friggin' March. It's yeah. right on our doorstep. I thought it was going to be way longer. Dude, that fucking game is going to come out before I play Metroid Dread. <laughs> play? What the fuck are you waiting for? Play Metroid Dread. I'm, try, I'm trying to finish Dicey Dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, that trailer was sick. Um, it got me even more hyped than the first trailer we saw during the Nintendo Direct. Yeah. Um, still no, uh, still no sight of our favorite uh, fat penguin boy DDD, but I'm sure he's in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it has co-op, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, um, I wasn't like expecting that, that either. But then again, that's sick. That's oh, dude, kind I'm of a Kirby so staple at this point. Everything looks amazing about this game. Um, I know. I. Yeah. Honestly, the, the game could look like shit, and I would still be interested just because it's Kirby's first. 3d main series platformer yeah. like i'm i'm so in it's not even fucking funny uh the other piece of news i i wanted to bring up this time is that uh, a couple weeks ago ign came out with i don't i don't really know why they came out with this but the <laughs> ign came out with a, a best 100 games of all time list i don't yeah. know what prompted them to do it i mean maybe i, I didn't read the the you know the yeah, intro the, to this thing. So we, we talked about this when, when we were adding it to the show notes, and I, I noticed that it was published um, on the thirty first of December. So somebody at IGN was like, "We're going into a new year. We gotta list the best one hundred games of all time." So reading uh, into it here, apparently yeah. they've had this list. <laughs> it's a running list they've had for some time, and it first sorry it last saw a major update back in twenty nineteen, which I have no recollection of happening. So we're Same. just going to treat this like it's a new list. Yes. Um, the according to IGN, the best video game of all time is The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. I uh, I am fine with that. I think yeah. that's valid. I I, I think that's you. totally fine. Uh, well, I enjoyed Breath of the Wild. It's still not my favorite game. It's not even my favorite Zelda game. But it it brought so many people into Zelda and really redefined what it means to be a Zelda game. And yeah. it gave way to a bigger outlet for Zelda. It made... Because as much as we all love the traditional Zelda formula, 
uh, Breath of the Wild expanded on it and changed what could be done to Zelda. It got, like, it took the, I guess I'll use the word tired, I still love it, but it got rid of the tired old formula, it took it, and just twisted it around and gave it new life. And that made people who were kind of tired of old Zelda more interested in Zelda again. It brought people into the Switch in the first place. Breath of the Wild is like one of the main reasons why people were buying Switches. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Like, I totally, uh, totally get it. I we, personally disagree, but I think that it's totally legitimate that they would put it as number one. We could probably talk. I mean, I, it's an incredible game. We could talk at length. We could make a two hour podcast just talking about Breath of the Wild, um, which yeah. <laughs> has been done by a lot of people. So we, weren't, we won't do that. <laughs> yeah, um, we're not going to do that. But uh, I'm glad that you feel that it's like justified in that spot. I, I definitely do. Um, that's definitely in my top few games. Um, yeah, personally, um, it's up there. What is there a different game that you would put there? Uh, cons- like m- the- separating your favorite game. Yes, yeah, se- perhaps se- separating perhaps maybe the, my the best. So, if I had to objectively pick one video game that is quote the best video game of all time. I would pick Super Mario Brothers. Okay, that uh, that is on this list. Yeah. I think I it, it probably has to be. They they feel they have, so yeah. Um, so look, looking through there, they have World at uh, number two. They yeah. have Super Mario Brothers three at number eleven, yeah. um, and then Super Mario Brothers one at number twenty one. Yeah, uh, I'm seeing a lot of like the top ten, and I'm seeing a lot of games that I'm like, okay, I definitely agree with that. And then I come to like. Because uh, number four is a link to the past, uh, three is Portal Two. I love Portal Two, but I, I just don't know if I would consider it the third best game of all time. It's really? a fantastic fucking game, but I kind of disagree with that. I would put Portal Two further down the list. Super Metroid, uh, and then six is Mass Effect Two. I have not played Mass Effect Two, so I can't speak on its validity as number six in this list. But I feel like, even not having played it, there are so many other games that are probably more uh, deserving of number six. I don't know, dude. As as an Edmontonian, I have to vouch for uh, how good Mass Effect 2 is. (laughs) Okay, I'll have to play it. I I have it, believe it or not. As with fucking all games I haven't played, I have it. I just haven't fucking played it yet. Um, the, The... I, I personally I agree with pretty much all of this. Um, I love Portal Two. I think it is very much well within the right its right to be uh, in the spot that it's in. Um, the weird one to me, and I it's, I haven't played it, so I can't. I fucking shouldn't even comment on this at all. Uh, Disco Elysium is number ten. Yeah, I've never played that either. I've never even yeah, fucking heard it's, of it. It's been on my list for a while. It's an indie-ish game uh, that had came out a couple years ago. Um, yeah. it's been, yeah, it's been on my list for a while. I really, really want to play it. Uh, and I, and I haven't, um, but seeing that so high, which just made me be like, oh man, I really got to get to that. Yeah. I have, I have never played it. I think Half-Life 2 is deserving. Um, I haven't played Red Dead 2, so I don't know. Uh, Super Mario 64 at number seven. I love Super Mario 64. I don't know if I would put it in the top 10, maybe in the bottom 10, like the, from 11 to 20. Yeah. Um, I, um, they fucking have Tetris at 28, which is like absolute blasphemy. If you ask me. Um, <clears throat> yeah i think it should be a little <laughs> higher at least a little bit higher um i uh, agree with symphony of the night at 14 that's pretty good but i want to go all the way down to the bottom of the list tyler because when i was first yeah. looking at this list i know exactly one... what you're about to say <laughs> um now i i just want everyone uh who is about to hear 
what I have to say about this list to understand uh, that, you know, there are a lot of people at IGN who maybe didn't grow up with these games, and so they don't understand just how truly important they were to the history of video games and to the fact that other video games are the way they are. That's why I put Super Mario Brothers at 1, because if not for Super Mario Brothers, video games may not exist. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but that's but it, it, does that that doesn't make it the best. No, it doesn't. But I, I guess I have a different. I have a different uh, criteria for what I would consider an objective good game. Um, I also think it's fun to play. But number ninety-eight, and this is a list of one hundred best games of all time. So real close to the fucking bottom is Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. I mean, uh, okay. I know this is gonna upset a lot of people that it's in this spot. Um, I I like Final Fantasy VII. Uh, it's not my favorite Final Fantasy. It's not even my favorite JRPG. But I still do not think it deserves to be at the bottom of this list. I uh, I think there's so many people who I've heard the conversation of like you know the best games of all time conversation so many times you know. And yeah. without fail, Final Mario Fantasy Galaxy, is... Ocarina of Time, Final Fantasy VII. Those are the three yeah. I always hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is always in the conversation, right? Yeah. Um, I I don't think they're wrong. Okay. Uh, I like I I <laughs> granted I okay I don't listen really right like, like... There, there's something like twenty one thousand unique video games in the world right so for Final yeah. Fantasy VII to be ninety eight. Out of 21,000, it's pretty high praise. But yeah, I would just expect it to be higher. <laughs> it, it's Okay, it, that game has not aged well at all. I agree. Um, I have not played the remaster, and I think I don't think they're they're considering the re, the remake uh, in, in here. The re, yeah, the remake in here. Um, no, I, I think, think they're considering the, the original one. It does yes. not age well at all. Um, yeah. I played it when I was a kid. I played probably about... I don't know, half or three quarters of it. And I never finished it because I didn't like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I went back and played some more of it as an adult, um, probably like six or seven years ago. Um, and mm-hmm. I still did not like it. And so I once again did not <laughs> finish it. Uh, okay. So I, I I, have a hard time thinking, like specifying if it's objectively good because uh, I really don't like it. Um, I think the narrative is good, um, but I think it, it was... I think it was maybe ahead of its like it was too ambitious for its time, and I don't mm-hmm. think the PS One was uh, and the way that a JRPG kind of works on PS One, um, it's just so fucking slow, and <clears throat> yeah. walking around is a nightmare because like the perspectives are all janky because of the pre-rendered backgrounds and stuff, and so I just, I just don't think it plays very well because of all those things because it came out when it did, and I don't mm-hmm. think that's a fault of the game per se because i you know it's like not they they were working with what they got um i just don't think it plays well so yeah that's kind of where i'm at (laughs) on that i don't know um look looking through this list um i feel like there are just a lot of games that and forgive me you know because there there are some games on this list that i haven't played for one reason or another and sometimes that reason is it doesn't seem like it's my kind of game but there are a lot of games on this list that i've never heard fucking anybody praise and yet it's sitting on a best of one like best 100 games of all time list and i have to wonder 
this is the conspiracy theorist in me. <laughs> I have to wonder if some of these are chosen just because at the end it says read our full review. <laughs> <laughs> because there's and- because fucking um fucking uh the witness is on this list and yes, I know that the witness is a good game, but I have never ever seen the witness praised to fucking like high heaven. It's set number 59. No one fucking talks about this game. I've never heard a single soul be like, oh man, I loved The Witness. Such a good game. But it's it's here on this top 100 list. And there's a little blurb right at the end that says, read our review. And you can click it and read a review of the game that IGN <laughs> wrote. And you'll notice that it's not for every game. There are some games on this list like Ms. Pac-Man, which is at 53, that they very obviously haven't written a review for because everyone knows Ms. Pac-Man. So, of course, it's on the list. But I have to wonder if there are some games on this list that are only on the list because they want people to read their reviews of them. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, I, yeah. I feel like IGN puts out a, you know, it's 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 a clickbait list, right? Yeah. Uh, the top 100 video games of all yeah. time, right? Of they, course put war- they put World of Warcraft 3 above Earthbound. Earthbound's I, I can... I can understand why more people played World of Warcraft, um, and you can play World of Warcraft forever and never get bored of it if you're that kind of person. Um, I disagree, but I don't yeah. know. We, we could talk at length about this entire list. Maybe one day we will have a special episode where we like we try Dissect to come up list. with our... Well, we'll come up with our we own We try to come up with our own 100. List. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've played enough games to make that list, but alas. Uh, okay, Dude, we, we got totally to move have like a, Yeah, I was going to say, we, we could totally do like a, a video where we do like a tier list of like popular games. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. Yeah, that would, that would be we definitely, we should do that. Um, yeah. Okay, put it on the list. Anyway, it's on the back burner. Yeah, it's the on official, the back burner. The official Super FX back burner. It's on there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's, um, <laughs> let's move on because uh, as you said... At the very beginning of this episode, um, after I killed Kermit. By the way, he's still bleeding. So, I'm Dear still Lord. waiting on that ambulance. Oh, I wonder, does he have insurance? No, that ambulance is going to be like $5,000, isn't it? Oh, God, no. I hope he has Medicaid. The old wee-woo wagon? <laughs> yeah. For our Canadian listeners, we have to pay money to live. <laughs> <laughs> and for our American listeners, <laughs> shit's crazy, am I right? Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I went to MAGFest, and and you did not go to MAGFest. Uh, we That's already right. discussed why, and as upset as I am about it, it's not your fault, I'm not mad at you or anything, of course. Um, but it was it's never the same without you there. Aw, um, I, I still had a really, aw, baby, I still had a fantastic time. Um, it was me, Joe, and Jackie. Uh, we have been there before many times um but we had two newcomers my friend max whom i've mentioned on this show before and my friend josh who i think i've mentioned on the show once before um but it was their first mag baby's first mag and they were blown away by it which made me like the proud dad who brings his kids fishing for the first time and uh (laughs) (laughs) we had such a great time i picked up so much good shit um but i i definitely have like stories too tyler um, I shit myself at MAGFest. What? <laughs> so, um, yeah, this I, is, I will is be the... this, <laughs> Is this appropriate? Uh, it's funny. 
<laughs> okay. So, uh, did we not have a conversation a while ago about like what, what, when you're packing for a trip and you always like bring an extra pair of underpants, like just yes. in case, but yep. then like never, it never happens. So you're yep. like, yep. And you know what? <laughs> it happened. So um, they opened up a brand new restaurant at the uh, at the bottom of the atrium. And it was called The Marketplace. And that was where we got most of our uh, in-con food. And, you know, it was just the standard. There's chicken tenders for like $10, you know, highway robbery prices for a convention. But you do what you have to because you got to eat because you can't collect games from the from the deep underground. Um, <laughs> and to comply with COVID, uh, you know, necessities and stuff, um, they had a section of the restaurant corralled off where if you wanted to eat in the restaurant you had to go specifically to that section and sit at the table and then you could take your mask off and eat right um so they're very conscious uh, very uh safety forward really happy about that um but there was one evening in fact it was uh friday evening that's thursday friday saturday sunday is magfest so friday evening i'm sitting in the marketplace uh eating with max and jackie and I don't even remember what I had. I think I had like soup or something. Uh, they had chicken noodle soup. It was really good. And I felt a fart coming on. <laughs> oh, no. And um, I am still in my 20s. I do not turn 30 for another like 23 days. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 23, 24 days. Something like that. February uh-huh. 9th. And so I'm like, I'm still young and spry i can trust this fart but there's a couple of people around and i have a sneeze coming on too so i'm gonna do the the coolest thing ever i'm gonna sneeze and fart at the same time and no i want to throw up i actually i legitimately (laughs) i legitimately want to bomb right now so um i think all of our listeners can imagine what happened next i sneezed and uh, all of a sudden no, um, I don't even want to hear the detail. Can I just move? Can I just move the podcast along? <laughs> so I'll basically I'll just skip to the part where I realized what had happened, and I shot up from my chair, and I told every I told Jackie and Max, and luckily this was the first year that we were staying at the Gaylord, so I didn't have to go to a public restroom. We scurried up the elevator, and I locked myself in the fucking hotel room bathroom, and uh, that extra pair of undies that we talked about, Tyler. Came in handy. <laughs> Round of applause for me. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so yeah, I feel really bad. I'm sorry that happened to it's, you. It's it's totally fine. <clears throat> totally fine. But yeah, other than that, <laughs> there were there were some actually good things that happened at Magfest. Um, to start with, uh, I got a fuck ton of games. And this coincides with my New Year's resolution of 2022. I don't know if I talked about this before. I don't think I did. Um, but now's the best time to bring it up, I think. Right. Tyler, I have three New Year's resolutions for 2022. Okay. One of them is for my health. I'm going to start working out more. Whether that means going to the gym or not, doesn't matter. As long as I'm working out and trying to be actively healthy. Okay. So far, right. so far, that's going okay. You know, whatever. Uh, number two, uh, I want to work more on my personal projects. So stuff like the podcast, great. I'm definitely working toward that. But I want to get back into doing my music more and writing more and blogging more. Stuff that I used to enjoy growing up and that I have enjoyed 
but have maybe fallen off a little bit because I'm getting older and I'm busy more often. I want to try to get back on the saddle. Okay. But number three, the one that when I tell people, they're like, that's not a New Year's resolution. That's a fucking, like, drug habit. (laughs) Um, In 2022, I am going to collect at least one thing for my collection every single day. Okay, I, I have I have a question. D- Answer. Does it, do you have to do it every day, or could you buy like seven things at the end of the week and it would like count one for each day? Nope. If I buy anything on a given day, it only counts for that day, even if I buy multiple things. That sounds like a crazy like um, drug habit. Kind drug of habit, yeah, there it is. Um, the reason I'm doing <laughs> this, there's actually three reasons I'm doing this. Um, main reason is... This will catapult me into forcing myself to collect the cheap common games that I have overlooked for years because, oh, they're always there. I can always get them whenever. And then I look at my collection and I'm still missing so many commons because I'm focusing on heavy hitters. Because, again, commons, they're always going to be there. But this will force me to reevaluate how important commons are. Because if I'm collecting something every day by, you know, by demand, I must then eventually there's going to come a point where like, oh shit, I have to buy something today and I only have $4. Dear it God. has to be a common. Uh, next um, time on Super FX, we discuss Matthew's bankruptcy. <laughs> Honestly, it's go- it's going really well so far um, because part of the rules are that it can be a digital game. It doesn't have to be a game. It can be an accessory or a console or a controller. Um, it doesn't have to be purchased. It can be free. And it doesn't have to be purchased by me. It can be bought by someone else for me or given to me. So there are plenty of outlets for me to still collect and not go broke. But I am trying to buy physical games mostly. And so, so are you, are you gonna like is it a lot of like eBay one dollar, you know, uh, NBA two K seven kind of thing? Yeah, we'll see. But for the most part, if, <laughs> if I'm if I'm buying commons, I'm going to a store and actually like buying commons. So, like, on yeah. January 1st, immediately, I went to Blast from the Past, and I just bought, like, fucking eight commons. I just got a bunch of NES commons, a couple Super Nintendo commons, nothing really worth mentioning. Um, and then I went to Savers a couple of times, and I bought, like, some Wii games here and there for super cheap. I bought a couple of Steam games for, like, pennies, and I got a couple of Android games because I needed a game and I didn't have any money. Um... <laughs> But then I went to MAGFest, and I was going to buy games at MAGFest anyway, but um, typically when I go to MAGFest, I don't buy anything the first day, and then I spend all of my money on Friday and Saturday, and then I have a little bit left over on Sunday, and then I'll do a little bit of cleanup here and there. But this forced me to buy something every day of MAGFest, so I just went fucking straight up wild. I brought a ton of money with me, and I also made a promise to myself that at this MAGFest, I wanted to get not really rares... I wanted to focus on commons and uncommons. So I did. I got a fuck ton of commons and uncommons. Um, On the first day of MAG, I got Eco for PS2. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah. I got Breath of Fire 4 on PS1, which, uh, despite the heavy price point of $150, it's not rare. It's just uncommon. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, I got Looney Tunes B-Ball. For Super Nintendo, that's really hard to find. Yeah. Um, on day two, I got Dark Cloud for for PS2. Oh, yeah. Um, that's which classic. Which is very uncommon. I got Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance, which is uncommon. 
despite the price tag of like 90 bucks. Yeah. Um, I got the Ignition Factor on Super Nintendo. Do you know what that is? No. Uh, that is an incredibly uncommon Super Nintendo game uh, where you play as a fireman trying to basically put out fires. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I know building to building. Um, it got a Japanese exclusive sequel called The Firemen, but we got the original game, The Ignition, the Ignition Factor in North America. Um, right. It was made by Jaleco. It's one of the last games that they made for the Super Nintendo. And it's really, really good, but fucking no one knows about it because it's so uncommon. Yeah. Um, but then we come to uh, day three at MAG. Um, I got the box and manual for Fester's Quest because it's one of my favorite NES games because I'm a loser. Um, <laughs> but I went heavy on day three. I got Metal Slug X for PlayStation. Nice. Um, I got in for PlayStation. Nice. Wow. I got Space Channel 5 on Dreamcast. Oh, I want that so bad. Which uh, I... I'm surprised I didn't have that already. Um, And I got Image Fight and Last Starfighter for NES, which are both incredibly uncommon and kind of expensive. Yeah, Um, wow. So you had a good good con. Yeah, I did. The last day, I didn't get anything too terribly amazing, but I got The Adventures of Dr. Franken on Super Nintendo, which is another Mm -hmm. uncommon. So I spent a lot of money getting uncommons at uh, MAG just to try and fill in the gaps because I'm always focused on heavy hitters. Um, Yeah. You know, then I, I picked up like a common here and there. I got Shin, uh, I got Shin Megami Tensei Five when we got back from Mag because I oh, wanted nice. that when it came out, yeah. but I was saving money for Mag, so I didn't get it. Um, I got Madden O Two on N sixty four. That's a common. <laughs> um, I got uh, Brain versus Brain on Switch because fuck it, right? Um, I got Super Smash TV. Jackie bought me Super Smash TV uh, two nights ago oh, for I Super love Nintendo. Yeah, um, and then uh, just tonight, I went to Blaster in the Past with Jackie uh, because Jackie's grandma, um, I spoke to her on the phone today because I called to thank her, but she gave me um, a card with $200 in it because in her words, uh, I forgot to give you a Christmas gift, so I wanted to give you a Christmas gift. And also, uh, she was taking Spanish lessons from me for a short time, and then at, on a whim, she was like, you know what, I'm too old to get any of this shit, I'm, I have to cancel, but I'm gonna make it up to you, here's another hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, so I got, uh, two hundred bucks, I called, I thanked her, and she was like, get yourself something nice, don't use it on bills, get yourself something nice. So I went to Blaster in the Past with Jackie and tonight. Like, can do. Yeah, I was like, you, you know it, I already know what I'm gonna buy. Um, I bought Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. On oh, nice. uh, PlayStation, I got Blue Stinger on Dreamcast. Um, I got Robotrek on Super Nintendo, which is a big heavy hitter. That one's actually rare. And uh, Battle of Olympus on NES, which is uncommon. But you've been busy. I, damn, I really have. Uh, when, once I decided, like, gotta get a game every day. You would be surprised at the things that I'm so excited to collect now. Because I, I was looking at that Madden 02 that I got. I bought that from um, VGTP from the trading post and uh i was like oh shit man no two i don't have that one and i need a game today hell yeah and then like we were driving home in the car and i was like i can't fucking believe i was excited to get madden 02 you will never play it it will never happen no the only time i'm ever gonna touch it is when i need to put madden 03 next to it (laughs) 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 but um that's when I realized, like, right there, I bought that on the 12th, I realized right there that this exercise has renewed my excitement for collecting commons. Because I have to get something. And I'm like, oh, I, that's a common I don't have. Holy shit, I can get it. 
and it made me really happy. Because another one of the criteria for for this exercise is uh, I'm not allowed to buy doubles. Doubles don't oh, count. Shit. Yeah. It has to be something new. You know, if if it's yeah. like, for example, like if I had Super Mario All-Stars, right, and then I also bought Super Mario All-Stars on Wii, that counts because they're on different consoles. But I can't buy like another copy of Donkey Kong Jr. on NES because I already <laughs> have it. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but you could buy Donkey Kong Jr. math. I, I have that too. Don't need it. <laughs> oh, shit. No, you can't. Yeah. Damn it. But yeah, that, uh, that has been my collecting journey. Um, more stories about MAGFest next time because I definitely yeah. want to get more into like what happened while we were there. But I, I want you to tell me what you've been uh, picking up the last couple dear, of weeks. Dear Lord, we the last uh, nothing, yeah, nothing in <laughs> even close comparison. Um, I, I've been to the – I talked a little bit about the good thrift stores. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I've been to the, the good thrift stores a couple of times. Um, over the past couple of weeks, um, and I, did, I actually had a lot of stuff. The Goodwills do a thing. I don't know if they do it there. Uh, do wait? Do you have Goodwill? You have Goodwill. Yeah, we have Goodwill. Do they do a thing where it's like every week it's like a different colored tag is half off? Yes, they do. Okay, yeah. yeah so they, they they do that here too. Um, and uh, last time I went, the the green tags were half off or whatever, and there was a ton mm-hmm. of commons that were green tags. So I got like oh, a hell yeah. bunch a bunch of NHL games that I didn't have for like two bucks yeah. each, less than that, like a dollar something each. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, and then they also had in the in the showcase, as they call it, um, they had a uh, black DS Lite, um, which I have like three DS Lights, um, but I didn't have the black one. And so the sticker said 15 bucks. And I was like, okay, that's not bad. And I picked it up. And uh, inside, uh, there was a copy of Metroid Prime Hunters, um, which I didn't have. Oh. And obviously, it's just the cart. It's not the whole, you know, it's not complete. Um, but that's a pretty valuable cart, and uh, I, I had to do the thing where it was like a little awkward because the I, I didn't want you know the employee to know that I, there was <laughs> that a was cart like super in there. Expensive. Oh, and that I, too, yeah. I, yeah, exactly, right? Because it was just a DS Lite in a case that said fifteen dollars, and so mm. I picked it up and tried to like discreetly check what cartridge was inside <laughs> without yeah. like because I didn't want her to be like, oh, that's there too, that's separate, you know. <laughs> Um, uh, so I don't know. Call me a thief if you want, maybe. But that this is what they had advertised. No, no, so no. That's what I got. I, I don't <laughs> think that that's like scummy at all. They priced it with the game in it. If if they didn't know that there was a game in it, that's not your that's not your problem. That's their problem. Yeah. Uh, I also picked up. Um, there was they had a couple of like Ratchet and Clank uh, on PS2 that I did I didn't have. Um, yeah. Jack Jack Three on on uh, on PS2. I didn't have that. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, a couple, like a little bit more common stuff, but, uh, I, I was actually surprised to see this stuff that I did see at the stores, um, yeah. because typically they've got just a bunch of garbage. Um, there, there, I did have a weird interaction where I was, I was browsing the games at one of the Goodwills. Um, and this guy, like another customer came up to me and like stood like quite close to me and like looked at the shelf, like glanced over it and then looked at me and said, huh, nothing good this time, eh? And then walked away. Like he didn't even <laughs> wait for my response. <laughs> and I was like, uh, nope. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's, he's definitely like a soldier in the battle <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to find games for cheap. Yeah, but he hardly took a look at the shelf. Like I, 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 w- I took probably a minute or two, like scanning through to see if there anything like piqued my interest. Um, but he like glanced at it for maybe five seconds and was like, "Well, <laughs> nope, see ya," <laughs> and then walked away. <laughs> wow, guys got better things to do, I guess. 
Apparently, yeah. Uh, and so I, I there's an, a value village that's like right down the road from that Goodwill uh, that I mm-hmm. went to next, and I was like half expecting to see him there as well, <laughs> yeah. which did not happen. However, I did I did at that value village see the worst looking Xbox 360 I have ever seen, um, oh, and I don't boy. I don't need any Xbox 360s because I have I think four, um, but that uh, one was the absolute worst condition I have ever seen. Like it, the disc drive, the um, silver part of the disc drive that ejects uh, was yeah. not there. But the disk drive still was. <laughs> so like there wasn't any, there wasn't a door on it. It was just the drive. Yeah, it, I mean it doesn't really have a door to begin with. It's just kind of a cap, like, yeah, silver. It, yeah, it's like the cap little like the silver the cap drive. on the end of it. Yeah, yeah. no, that was non-existent, <laughs> and the rest of it was just wow. like, like in tatters. Um, and I think they wanted like twenty-five dollars <laughs> or something for this, and I was like, Oh I'm Jesus, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk away. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's that's what I got. I got a couple of uh, like other commons. I, um. I got hey, that's something. Assassin's Creed on PS3. Um, how is that? Which uh, I, I didn't have, but yeah. How how is that deal with your? Uh, what is it? What is that with your your sister's boyfriend? Something like that. Oh yeah, so he I got a huge bundle. Um, I, we haven't really settled up on it or anything yet. Uh, yeah. He just I think wanted to get rid of it. Um, maybe I'll outline that next time. Uh, the, the, all the yeah. all the stuff that's yeah, there's all a the lot stuff of stuff in, in there. there. We can talk about that um, next time, sure. Yeah, it's there. There's some really cool stuff uh, in there uh, that I uh, I'm excited to talk about, but way too much stuff. I think there's probably like a hundred things in there, so way too much stuff stuff to get into this time. Yeah, totally uh, understandable. And we're we're, uh, we're moving soon, so uh, that's a bin that will have to be unboxed another day. Sadly. Yeah, yeah, but uh, oh god, we're like running really high on time. I just noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Let Let's wrap this one up, shall we? <laughs> Please, folks, that'll do it for this show. Uh, if you want to learn more about SuperFX, you can visit our website. It's superfxpodcast.com. You can find our show wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, you can also follow us on social media, including Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. We are at SuperFXPodcast. Uh, please reach out with any comments or questions on social media, or feel free to send us an email, hi, at superfxpodcast.com. That's hi at superfxpodcast.com. Um, if you're really into our show and you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash superfxpodcast. We would really, really love and appreciate you for that. Um, if you're listening on YouTube, consider liking, subscribing, and leaving a comment down below. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, help us out by rating and reviewing the show. As always, a special thank you to Kenny Martin for our theme song. You can find him at Kenma, that's K-E-N-M-A dot bandcamp.com. And a special thank you to you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye!